MSW Media. A really big thanks today to Splendid Spoon for supporting the Daily Beans. Splendid Spoon sends delicious plant-based meals and snacks designed to fit into your busy schedule instead of taking time out of it. Go to SplendidSpoon.com slash Daily Beans for $50 off your first box when you subscribe to the Breakfast, Lunch, and Reset Plan or the Breakfast, Lunch, Dinner, and Reset Plan. And please join me in thanking Credit Karma for supporting the Daily Beans. Credit Karma, apply with more confidence today. Ready to apply? Head to CreditKarma.com slash offers to see personalized offers. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Thursday, May 19th, 2022. Today, we have primary election results in several states. The D.C. Attorney General Carl Racine has settled his lawsuit against the Trump inaugural. A federal judge strikes down Tennessee's transgender bathroom sign law. U.S. soccer agrees to an equal pay deal. And Adam Schiff expands on the January 6th committee's response to the Department of Justice's deposition transcript request. I'm Allison Gill. And I'm Dana Goldberg. Dana. Happy Wednesday. Happy Wednesday, indeed. Into Thursday. Wednesday for us. Thursday listening. It's always a game, everyone. We're never going to get it right. (laughs) It is. We're really time travelers. It's um, it's pretty unique, but we can only go forward eight hours at a time. That's it. So it doesn't really help much. Don't get crazy. Yeah. Now, um, so we had some uh, primaries uh, yesterday and uh, Fetterman crushed his race for Senate in Pennsylvania. And I think previously I said he was a gubernatorial candidate. That was an error. I didn't get a correction on it, so I'll just correct myself. I think I said that. And if I did, I was wrong. He's a Senate candidate Mm -hmm. in Pennsylvania. Insurrectionist Doug Mastriano won the Republican governor bid for PA, while Josh Shapiro won for the Dems. And and that's a good thing, Dana, because Shapiro actually wanted to go head to head with Mastriano. So uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah, we'll see what happens in that race. And um, I'm very proud, just because you mentioned that, I'm very proud of my Brian Sims, though. I do have to say in Pennsylvania, for those of us that know Brian, he's an outstanding human being. So just super proud. I know you didn't win, but yes, just so, so very proud. Okay, continue. (laughs) Yeah, so many amazing candidates, honestly. And only one can win. So, well, unless you're in like California, then two Democrats can win. It happens all the time. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, we're extra, extra blue. And we have that that primary, you know, jungle caucus thing where, you know, anybody can win. Top two candidates get to run off in the general. Anyway, that's a California thing. We're not talking about California. Also, here's some good news. Captain of the douche crew, tree puncher, face humper, dumb trumper, Madison Cawthorn is out. Don't you mess around with me, Hera. (laughs) Yesterday's news, bell bottoms, he's out. I'm very, very happy about that. And in his own words, na 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 na. Hey hey hey. Goodbye. Yeah, he tweeted that about Lewis Cheney, didn't he? He sure did. Well, guess who's still in Congress? It's okay. funny how these things come back to bite you in the ass, especially if you're his staffer. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, uh, so bye. And then later in the show, I'm going to be talking with the woman who pretty much laid to waste the Trump campaign when she sued them and won to uh, get out of her NDA. We're going to be talking to her. her. Name's Jessica Denson. We'll talk to her later in the show. And also, I, I had some questions for her about how she got into and then out of the Trump cult. Yes, because I'm great. Very, 
interested in the psychology behind that. So it's a good discussion. Stick around for that. We have a lot of news to get to. Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. I'm so fucking glad Madison Cawthorn is gone. Okay. First up, as you may have heard, the Department of Justice has made a broad request to the January 6th Select Committee for deposition transcripts from nearly a thousand interviews, which is a huge step forward in the find out portion of the attempted coup. (laughs) However, yesterday, Rep. Benny Thompson, who chairs the committee, said they wouldn't simply hand over their work product. That led me to immediately condemn that decision. I cooled my tits later, but I condemned that decision as, in my view, the Department of Justice's work is the only work that can lead to indictments and criminal accountability for not only the attack on the Capitol, but the conspiracies that led to the violence on January 6th and the soft coup that operated in parallel to the big lie, fraudulent electors, etc. Now, Adam Schiff has cleared this up a little bit as of today, and a lot of people are misrepresenting what he said, insinuating that the committee, he, that Schiff is saying the committee doesn't trust the Department of Justice or they don't want their work product to end up in the, quote, black hole of the Justice Department, unquote. Uh, First of all, with regards to the quote-unquote untrustworthy black hole of the Justice Department, that is patently absurd. Unless you're fine with no criminal accountability and only public hearings, it's important to understand the difference between what the committee does and what the Department of Justice does. I don't think listeners to this program are confused about it, but I'll say it anyway. The committee gathers evidence and presents it to the American people, then they write a report, and then they make congressional legislative recommendations on how to prevent future coups. That is what the committee does. The DOJ does criminal investigations. They indict people, put handcuffs on people, do perp walks, hold those responsible for the attack on democracy criminally accountable. So it's ludicrous to yell for handcuffs while simultaneously saying the committee should withhold its work from the Department of Justice, which is the only place that their work could lead to handcuffs and perp walks. Further, It's not like the committee would have to give their only copies to the Department of Justice. They have copying machines. If the DOJ were totally corrupt, that work product would be lost forever. No, that's simply ridiculous. It's it's also not like the Department of Justice would leak Congress's shit all over town either. The Department of Justice doesn't leak. That's why everyone's so pissed at them to begin with, because we don't get to know what they're doing every second they do it. And that's because of a well-known and well-documented understanding that talking about your investigations can ruin them. In fact, it's the opposite here. The Department of Justice has prevented their evidence from going to the committee on multiple occasions because Congress leaks like a sieve. In fact, the request from the Department of Justice to the committee for its interviews was immediately leaked by Congress. (laughs) People got mad when the Department of Justice wouldn't share their Meadows shit with the committee. But the reason was, was because that info would have been leaked immediately, potentially jeopardizing their investigation into Meadows. Same with the, uh, the National Archives. The committee wanted the National Archives records and the Department of Justice stepped in and said, no, National Archives, do not give them anything. And of course, everyone was pissed. But the Department of Justice was like, no way, bro. Congress can prevent leaks about as well as a paper bag. So the committee is not withholding their depositions because the DOJ is untrustworthy. Instead, Schiff confirmed this today. They want to protect the institution of Congress, meaning they want the Department of Justice to list the depots they want and for what people. And they want to make sure they don't set precedent that allows any future attorney general unfettered access to congressional investigative work product. 
Imagine if Bill Barr could have reached in and grabbed the Senate Intelligence Committee's work when they were investigating Trump's ties to Russia. I'd rather not. Yep. Yeah. Bad news bears. They would have just told Trump all about it. And I'm not saying that didn't happen because there were shitheads at the Justice Department and in Congress. So here's what Schiff said. He said, quote, it's possible Department of Justice is investigating more than just the attack on the 6th. And, And by the way, it's not just possible. It's actually happening. He says, we want to support the Department of Justice, but we also need to protect our institution. See, that's the protection of the institution part. He doesn't say, you know, we want to support the Department of Justice, but they're a bunch of untrustworthy pricks. You know, he didn't say that. He says, we need to protect our institution. Schiff suggested the Department of Justice might have to become more particularized with its requests for the January 6th committee records. And then Rep. Jamie Raskin says he doesn't think the Justice Department request for depositions from the January 6th committee will scare off future witnesses and then indicated there's skepticism. The witnesses who've yet to meet with the committee will eventually do so, which means the committee might be concerned that handing over the interviews to the cops might chill future witnesses. Which makes a lot of sense. (laughs) And that's another potential reason the committee is being so cautious about this which is a good thing. Not to mention something I've said from the beginning, the Department of Justice and the committee will work hand in hand. And by the way, public reporting from sources has confirmed they've been working hand in hand for the past year. But a giant wall needs to remain between them, not so that the committee doesn't get fucked by the Department of Justice, but so the Department of Justice doesn't get fucked by the committee by being tainted with politicization. Further, it's important for the integrity of the committee's legislative purpose, which gives them the power to subpoena people, that they don't masquerade as a criminal investigation. And and handing over their shit to the cops would taint the legislative purpose and give a defense to people trying to skirt the committee's subpoenas. We will keep you posted as to whether the Department of Justice makes more specific requests if they can do so without revealing any specific investigations, because let's be honest, if they ask for specific transcripts, we'll know who is under criminal investigation, and that would not be good for accountability or justice. And also, we'll keep you posted on whether they keep their public requests vague and agree to view what they need to in a skiff, because if they gave a list of names to the committee, it would leak within minutes. Thank you so much, A.G. We are going to Tennessee. A federal judge struck down a Tennessee law Tuesday that would have required businesses in the state to, I'm so annoyed by this story, to post warning notices on their public restrooms if they have policies allowing transgender patrons to use the facilities that match their gender identities. Mm-hmm. Yes. The, the American Civil, Civil Liberties Union, they challenged the law, which they should have, in June on behalf of two business owners, the owner of Sanctuary, which is a performing arts and community center in Chattanooga, and the owner of Fido, a restaurant in Nashville, among other businesses. Now, the law went into effect on July 1st, but U.S. District Judge Alita Trauger issued a preliminary injunction against it a week later. Then on Tuesday, Trauger permanently blocked the law by granting the ACLU's motion for summary judgment. Woo-hoo. Yes, which asked the court to decide a case without a full trial. Now, in my opinion, A.G., and I'll continue with the story, it would be the same thing as putting a fucking sign up that's like, we allow Jews to use the restroom here. We allow black people to use it. Re-. Like, it's just insane. Yeah, you would have to put up a sign that says, hey, be careful. Black people use this water fountain. Exactly. That is exactly what this is. It's fucking disgusting. So this incredible judge, very super happy, she wrote a 40-page decision that the law violates the First Amendment of the Constitution because it compels speech that is controversial and with which the plaintiffs disagree. Now, this is a quote. 
it would do a disservice to the First Amendment to judge the act for anything other than what it is, a brazen attempt to single out trans-inclusive establishments and force them to parrot a message that they reasonably believe would sow fear and misunderstanding about the very transgender Tennesseans who those establishments are trying to provide with some semblance of safe and welcoming environment. What a brilliant quote by this judge. That's Isn't from Trevor. Yes. That's so good. Now, Glenn Funk and Neil Pinkston, both district attorneys, Christopher Bainbridge, the state director of code enforcement, and Carter Lawrence, the state fire marshal, are all named as defendants. Now, they did not immediately respond to requests for comment. A representative for Governor Bill Lee has also not immediately responded to a request for comment. Now, what? They don't want to talk about their bullshit fucking bigoted bigoted ass. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So the law required business owners with even informal policies that allow people to use whichever bathroom they want to to have to post a sign that reads, quote, this facility maintains a policy of allowing the use of restrooms by either biological sex, regardless of the designation on the restroom. Now, at the entrances of a single sex public restrooms, locker rooms, dressing areas or other facilities that are, quote, designated for a specific biological sex where a person would have a reasonable expectation of privacy. Hmm. The law said the sign must be at least eight inches wide and six inches tall and use the colors red and yellow (laughs) with a bold face typeface, among other requirements. Yes. Representatives for the state argue that the law is a content neutral. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. D- did it say, I wonder if it said the letters. It just said you have to use the colors red and yellow. Yeah. I think it would be great if you just made it like a red sign with red type. That you just can see. With red fonts. Yeah. That'd be and, amazing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That, You're like, that, signs that's there. Be, that's what I would do. Hey, that's within the guidelines. <laughs> Thank you very much. I'll tell you a funny story at the end, uh, based on what you just said. It might it might keep it for the good news. Representatives for the state argue that the law is a, quote, content-neutral rule meant to clarify restroom signage and is not meant to be an endorsement of how gender identity should be understood, and that's according to the opinion. Bullshit. Mm. The ACLU's client, they argued, have, quote, imagined an idiosyncratic hidden undertone to the required signage. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Trager, who was appointed by the court by Bill Clinton, he disagreed, noting that the government's preferred view of how gender works, which is that it's dictated by biological sex, which is assigned at birth and limited to male or female, is contested. Hmm. It has been by science. Now, um, this is another quote. The only thing that is imaginary in this case, though, is the imagined consensus on issues of sex and gender on which the defendants <laughs> seek to rely. I really love this judge. I mean, so fucking good. Oh, damn. The only thing that's imaginary is your fucking hatred. I know. Nope, that's real. Nope, nope, nope. That's real. Yeah, what's imaginary is that you <laughs> think that there's a consensus on issues of sex and gender. Oh. So good. The judge continued to say transgender Tennesseans are real. The businesses and establishments that wish to welcome them are real. And the viewpoints that those individuals and businesses hold are real, even if they differ from the views of some legislators or government officials. What a fucking great judge, great opinion, all of it. It just makes me very happy. It's it, yeah, that's so good. What a good news story. That that makes me very happy. And and the summary judgment, that's that's a big deal. That's where, you know, the ACLU filed a motion for summary judgment saying, hey, Judge, we think because this is so fucking egregious that you can decide this without going to trial. And the judge was like, yep, you're right. I can. Oh, my God. You're right. 
Here's my decision. Do you want to hear my good news story now or should I save it? I, I, I want to hear it now. Okay. So I have a very amazing photographer friend uh, in Albuquerque who shall not be named, but she was hired to basically by a, a religious institution, unbeknownst to her, to make photographs, like create photographs of saints and angels and religious figures. And so unbeknownst to the people that hired her, she hired homeless people to actually sit for these of like the apostles and like these bearded men. It was beautiful. So she hired homeless people. And then if you've ever done Photoshop, you have layers and she used to put layers in them like gay people are amazing and homosexuality is a gift and you can't see it because when you (laughs) flatten an image, but all those messages were in there for this religious institution of homeless people that she photographed as saints. I thought it was fucking brilliant. So here she is forcing a church to do a Christian-like thing by giving money to homeless people. Amazing. I absolutely love it. Yeah, it was and awesome. Then hi- and then hiding messages about how, how awesome the gays are. That's fantastic. Just reminded me of your, like, red print, red font, red message. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Why is there a big red blob up by the red? No, just ignore it. Don't worry yeah. about it. And you could also put, like, a different... You wouldn't even have to put the actual verbiage. You could put any verbiage on the sign. It's like totally. trans people should rule the world. I guess that's the sign that says <laughs> trans people can use the bathroom here. <laughs> oh my god uh good excellent summary judgment from that particular judge thank you for that and former president donald trump's inaugural committee reached a seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars settlement on tuesday may 3rd by the way this has been out for a while resolving a long-standing litigation which accused the committee trump international hotel and the trump organization of illegally using nonprofit money to enrich his family in january 2020 D.C. Attorney General Carl Racine sued the committee and the corporations for allegedly misspending nonprofit funds for Trump's benefit. The top prosecutor characterized the deal as a vindication. Okay, quote, after he was elected, one of the first actions Donald Trump took was to illegally use his own inauguration to enrich his family. We refuse to let that corruption stand. That's what he said in a statement. Yeah, by by settling for seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars with an inaugural committee that raised one hundred and eight million. So annoying. Quote, with our lawsuit, we're now clawing back money that Trump's own inaugural committee misused. Instead, we're giving it to district nonprofits that we use those funds to help support civic engagement for the next generation of district leaders. No one is above the law, not even a president. This is why we settled for pocket change. Nonprofit funds cannot be used to line the pockets of individuals, no matter how powerful they are. Now, any future presidential inaugural committees are on notice. Oh, yeah. That they'll have to pay a small fine if they break laws. I'm paraphrasing. As you can imagine, I think this is absolute bullshit. This should have gone to trial. It was set to go to trial in September. Our friend Stephanie Winston Walcott was a witness in that I'm trial. I'm so fucking tired of these cases being settled like this. I can yep, understand why people get frustrated and they don't think there's consequences, but uh, keep hope. Here's a good story to end this segment. Now, there's going to be a lot of letters, so I'm going to tell you what the organizations are first. The United States Soccer Federation, which is the USSF, the United States Women's National Team Players Association, which is the USWNTPA, and the United States National Soccer Team Players Association, which is the USNSTPA. They have all agreed to a deal, finally, that achieves, quote, equal pay and set the global standard moving forward in international soccer. So Hmm. here we go. The U.S. soccer under these agreements will become the first federation in the world to equalize FIFA World Cup prize money awarded to the teams of participating in World Cups. Now, this should have happened a long time ago, and all of the women's national players would be quite well off, and not the men because they they don't often qualify. Not the point in the story, but let's move on. Yes, this is a quote. 
This is truly historic moment, said the U.S. soccer president, Cindy Parlow Cohn, who actually was a player, by the way, in a statement on Wednesday. These agreements have changed the game forever in here in the United States and have the potential to change the game around the world. And they do. They set precedent for other women's teams to argue with in other countries. Now, Cohn added, quote, the U.S. soccer, not legally precedent, but you know what I mean. U.S. soccer and the U.S. women's national team and the U.S. men's national team players have reset their relationship with these new agreements and are leading us forward to an incredibly exciting new phase of mutual growth and collaboration as we continue our mission to become the preeminent sport in the United States. Now, as part of this agreement, U.S. soccer will share a portion of its, quote, broadcast partner and sponsorship revenue with a 50-50 split of that share divided equally between the U.S. women's national team and the U.S. men's national team. That's a big deal. And this is a continuation. They said equal pay for men and women was not possible, but that did not stop us. And we went ahead and achieved it. And that was from Walker Zimmerman, a member of the U.S. NSTPA leadership group. Zimmerman continued to say, we hope this will awaken others to the need for this type of change and will inspire FIFA and others around the world to move in the same direction. Now, the deal also encompasses other areas such as child care, parental leave, short-term disability, mental health impairment, travel and equal quality of venues and field playing surfaces. This is a really big fucking deal. For a long time, the women were playing on turf. And if you've ever played soccer on turf, you know how insanely hot it can get in certain weather and how very dangerous it is for your knees and ankles. So that was a big problem and just one of the problems. I could go on for another fucking episode of this amazing podcast. This is from Becky Sauerbronn, who's also an incredible player. We hope that this agreement and its historic achievement and not only providing for equal pay, but also in improving the training and playing environment for national team players will similarly serve as the foundation for continued growth of women's soccer, both in the United States and abroad. Mm. And like I said, that was from U.S. women's national team player and U.S. WNTPA president Becky Sauerbronn. Becky is a badass. She's an incredible player. Wednesday's equal pay announcement comes six months before the U.S. men's national team is scheduled to take part in the 2022 World Cup in Qatar, which begins on November 21st. Now, Mm. they've always been getting paid a lot. And like I said, the furthest the men's team has ever gotten in a World Cup is third. The women have won four times or five stars. I can't remember if it's four or five right now. I know someone's going to correct me and easily find out. And they were making literally 10 times less. Winning the World Cup than the men did to qualify. Yeah. Yep. So this makes me very, very, very happy. Yeah, that and all of the equal fields and training facilities and like all that other stuff, healthcare. For sure. You know, all that other stuff that comes with it. Absolutely amazing deal. I hope this sets the stage for other countries around the world who participate in FIFA and other soccer organizations to, to use this to fight for their equal pay as well. All right, we will be right back with Jessica Denson. You don't want to miss this interview. Stick around. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everyone. You know, my day-to-day life is very busy. It's a whirlwind of responsibilities, and there's never enough time to do all the things I need to do, so it's really hard to take the time to eat healthy. It's very time-consuming to have to cook every single day, shopping, meal prep, all that stuff. So why not get straight to the good part with great meals that require no prep whatsoever? That is Splendid Spoon. They send delicious plant-based meals and snacks shipped right to your door, ready to eat, and designed to fit into your busy schedule instead of taking time out of it. Splendid Spoon fits into any schedule. There's a meal plan for everyone. Enjoy a fresh take on classic dishes like fan-favorite vegan meatball and marinara noodles, which I love. Or take your taste buds on a journey with exciting dishes like cauliflower tikka soup. 
Splendid Spoon saves me precious time every day. Plus, eating plant-based food can come with a wealth of benefits like improved energy and sleep and digestion and complexion. Earlier today, I had the cauliflower potato chowder light soup with navy beans and rosemary. Their light soups are designed in partnership with chefs and nutritionists, and they're delicious. You have to try them. And this evening, I'm planning on having a mint chip smoothie. So refreshing. I'm in love with their smoothie selection, too. I have tons of them. Just try Splendid Spoon today. You will be so amazed. Take meal planning off of your plate. Go to splendidspoon.com slash dailybeans for $50 off your first box when you subscribe to Breakfast, Lunch, and Reset Plan or the Breakfast, Lunch, Dinner, and Reset Plan. That's splendidspoon.com slash dailybeans for $50 off. And one thing that has certainly helped improve my life was building my credit. I can't imagine where I'd be right now if I hadn't started taking this seriously when I was younger. As a hardworking person, I know that managing my money and planning ahead are two of the most important things when it comes to achieving goals. Good credit is one of those things that everyone needs, especially these days. So are you planning ahead? If you've got a big expense coming up, don't put those medical bills or car repairs on a high interest credit card when Credit Karma has a much better solution for you, just tailored exactly to your needs. It's so helpful and easy in every way. Credit Karma can help you look for a low interest personal loan that can save you money while you pay off your purchase. See, Credit Karma uses your credit data to match you with the best loan offers personalized to your exact financial situation. These personalized loan offers show you the odds of getting approved so you can choose between the ones that make the most sense and apply with more confidence. Comparing loan offers on Credit Karma is 100% free. It does not affect your credit score and it could save you some serious money. Credit Karma, apply with more confidence today. Ready to apply? Head to creditkarma.com slash loan offers to see personalized offers. Go to creditkarma.com slash loan offers to find the loan for you. That's creditkarma.com slash loan offers. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. So back in 2018, you may remember us reporting on the Mueller She Wrote podcast. This is kitchen table days, you guys. This is a long time ago. That there was a person, a hero that had sued the Trump campaign to get out of an NDA and miraculously won, even after being sued by the Trump campaign for, I think, $1.5 million or something outrageous for violating that NDA and had the $50,000 award vacated. And so this is an incredible story. And we had reported on it a little bit at the time. But now we are going to actually talk to the person who was involved in this. Her name is Jessica Denson. Jessica, welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much, Allison. It is so good to talk to you. You and I have a long sordid history of suing the Trump administration for wrongful termination (laughs) and winning. And so that is why I'm so interested to talk to you for a couple of reasons. First, I want to talk about your journey through this whole litigation, which I believe started as arbitration. You were forced into arbitration. Then it went to federal court. And now you're actually there's a pending civil action, civil lawsuit, class action suit against the Trump campaign for just NDAs in general. And so I wanted to talk to you about that. And mostly I wanted to know how you got into (sighs) and then successfully out of the cult, which is, you know, what uh, a lot of folks who are professionals in the arena of studying cults has called it the Fox News cult. So, uh, Jessica, tell us a little bit about your pro se arbitration lawsuit, how it all started back in 2018. Yeah, it actually um, started in 2017. So I, I had worked for the campaign for a terrorizing three months in 2016. <laughs> campaign of terror. I was calling it long that long before the January 6th insurrection. But I had worked for them for three months. Absolute nightmare. 
uh, walked away just feeling like my life was under a dark shadow. And I had gone into that campaign with the purpose of doing diversity engagement, thinking I was going to be bringing you know, diverse supporters of the campaign out of the shadows. I walk away from this campaign under a dark cloud. And so um, I live with this for a year, very resistant to take action about what had happened. And ultimately in 2017, very close to when my one-year statute of limitations for certain claims was about to run, I, I kind of, um, you know, I had an existential moment in my, in my life where I realized I had to, uh, I had to sue them. I couldn't move forward representing anything that I cared about in my life if I didn't take a stand at that moment. So 2017, I didn't have time to get a lawyer. I didn't have money. Um, I didn't have a PR team. I didn't have any, you know, any of the things that most of the people that come out with a lawsuit against Trump have. I just had the right idea and knowing that I had to act on it. So I sued them. They respond by filing this $1.5 million arbitration against me on Christmas Eve of that year. Oh, Christmas Eve. Oh, yeah. Christmas Eve. This is, and this is lovely. This is a ritual for them. It, it was a Christmas Eve every year. There was a gift from the Trump campaign. Mm. So that year, that was the gift. Everyone knows you're supposed to open your presents Christmas morning. I don't understand. <laughs> well, you know, courts are closed, so they had to be a little early. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and and I do want to talk about the the terror, the terrorizing and the gaslighting of when you were working there. But continue on with the with the litigation timeline. We'll, let's get yeah. through that. Yeah. So I um, obviously was shocked when I got this. Very scared. I did not initially know how to handle it. And in the in the following months, I really, I mean, the initial instinct was this can't be legal. You know, this cannot be legal to weaponize this NDA against me in this way. And I didn't know, I now know what a ludicrous illegal document it is in so many ways. I mean, for people who aren't familiar, this NDA says, and this is this is an NDA, you know, granted there are payoff hush money NDAs. This is not one of those. This is a typical employment NDA, completely one-sided with a one-sided arbitration clause that says that anything that Donald Trump deems confidential is confidential, right? Totally arbitrary and undefinable. And it lasts in perpetuity for covering, you know, everything from Ivanka's fragrances to, you know, who knows what else, just all the multitude of Trump companies that could be attached to him. You can't disparage them for the rest of your life. So it's this, you know, blanket loyalty commitment, totally illegal. And I didn't know all that at the time, but I knew I knew that the way they were weaponizing it against me in response to a civil rights action. I mean, I brought a discrimination claim. I knew that had to be illegal. So, well, yeah, because there was no and we promised not to disparage you for the rest of our lives. Right. It was just the one totally one sided. Totally. Yeah. And that's very reminiscent of, of documents we all received working for the federal government when he, quote unquote, updated the Hatch Act. And the Hatch Act was already fine. <laughs> it, was yeah. already, it already didn't allow you to say disparaging things about political candidates running for office or fundraise. But this one went further and said, you can't say anything bad about Trump. You can't resist. They used the word resist. You can't do social media. Da, da, da. I mean, this it seemed like he couldn't get an NDA with every single executive employee in the federal mm. government. So he sent out these new Hatch Act. He did that kind of backdoor through the through the Hatch Act with these weird wow. requirements. Yeah, it was bananas. And as you talk about this one-sided NDA, that is what I was reminded of, this one-sided Hatch Act that extended to all federal executive branch government employees. 
So that had to just be stunning to get sued for fifty thousand dollars on Christmas Eve for what seemed to be a yeah one point five million one point five million excuse yep. me excuse me one point five yep. million for a completely illegal one sided NDA. So oh, you yeah. the arbitration you were forced forced arbitration. But what happened with that? So what happened with that is I said um, uh, sorry, but I, I I can't enter that. I mean I basically ignored. I was I was very very afraid getting these letters constantly from the AAA, American Arbitration Association, but realizing that if I if I stepped one foot into that proceeding, I was compromising my entire lawsuit. And there were other mechanisms I could have used to, you know, potentially stay it pending the outcome of my initial lawsuit. But I just didn't know these things. And all this time, meanwhile, I'm trying so desperately to get an attorney. I end up going to federal court, SDNY, and this is a couple months after the um, arbitration demand on Christmas Eve. And you gave me that introduction of 2018. And your your listeners probably remember there was a there was a name out there for me. And it was third woman. Mm. I was the third woman. <laughs> there was, uh, you know, Stormy Daniels, Karen McDougal, and then third woman, Jessica Denson. <laughs> so I sued pro se again in federal court. And so we had these... I proceeded in state court, fought off a motion to compel arbitration of my common law claims in state court. I did that pro se, just me. Um, and the Trump campaign lawyer went to oral argument in New York uh, Supreme, which is their trial court. And I won that. Meanwhile, the um, the federal lawsuit that I brought is proceeding and they moved to compel that to arbitration. Now, that was a pretty straightforward win for them. So they succeed in moving just my NDA case to arbitration. And what they do, although it was not explicit in the judge's orders, and they're arguing till this day that it was, but it wasn't. They tried to fold that NDA lawsuit into their existing arbitration. So they went to this arbitrator that I had not chosen, that I was not participating with, and said, you arbitrator... It's up to you to decide on the invalidity or validity of the NDA. And on top of that, meanwhile, they had added um, my Twitter feed, which I think had somewhere between seven and 30 followers at the time. And this tiny little GoFundMe where I raised like $1,600, they said, we want to disgorge those funds. They should be turned over to the Trump campaign. And so on the even though I won the state motion to keep my claims out of arbitration, on the premise of my federal lawsuit, and this little Twitter and GoFundMe, they end up getting a $50,000 award against me in arbitration and a completely nominal, without any analysis whatsoever, declaration from this arbitrator that the NDA is in fact valid. He just said, oh, yeah, by the way, I find it valid. <laughs> and that was like a default judgment against you because you didn't exactly. participate. And exactly. But lo and behold, what a stellar move on your part to not participate in that arbitration because it allowed you to pull this out and sue it in federal court. It was absolutely essential. It was absolutely essential. And any lawyer, if I had had one, would have told me absolutely not to do it. But it was the right. <laughs> the critical move that got me to where I am today. Wow. Lawyers, are you paying attention? This is... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Sometimes you got to follow your gut. And, and my badass mother, by the way, who was... <laughs> very much in my camp on that on that end. But I did right right as that judgment was coming in, I got two lawyers. Finally, my search for lawyers paid off. I got two lawyers in New York 
first thing they had to do, although we were in just in a very great spot for beginning discovery in our case, we couldn't focus on that. We had to shift focus to getting this award vacated. So we file a motion to vacate it in state court because they are duplicitous and they just they cannot be satisfied with one proceeding. They go over to federal court and file a parallel, completely unnecessary proceeding in federal court to confirm it because they think they've got that judge in their pocket and they're going to get what they want out of federal court. So this is where the the uh, second Christmas Eve comes in. That was the second Christmas Eve going to federal court, filing this this um, duplicative motion to to confirm the award. And so we fight that out. Meanwhile, we had taken the cue from the federal judge in my initial pro se lawsuit to invalidate the NDA. When he said you have to arbitrate that, my new lawyers, hats off to them, took that as the cue, and so did I, that we could bring our own proceeding in arbitration. This other one, we, you know, did not count in our eyes. And so we could bring our own proceeding. So we bring it as a class action arbitration, <laughs> Mm. which very fortunately is a public proceeding, not not a private one, unlike individuals, individual uh, arbitrations. And so we bring the class arbitration while we're trying to fight off this $50,000 award. And in the process, this goes on for maybe two months, give or take, in, in arbitration. We don't even get to pick an arbitrator. And they get to the point where they, you ready, Allison? Mm. Mm. We reject your arbitration. We reject your arbitration. <laughs> we told you to arbitrate the validity of the NDA. Now we reject your arbitration. Of course. Of course. Of course. Mm. So I tell my lawyers, we have to keep the judges apprised. I mean, especially uh, we had already, I think, filed all of our briefings in state court. It looked like it was going against us, to be honest. And I said, we have to keep the federal judge apprised. In other words, I wanted him to know that we were going to get to the point where nobody was going to get the opportunity to analyze this NDA legally. I mean, there was just going to be this default judgment and, you know, they're shutting it down in court, shutting it down in arbitration. Please judge, recognize that this may be the last forum for this to be, you know, ruled on. And so we send a letter briefing to the federal judge that they have chosen to go to a second time And in response to that federal briefing, they put this beautiful line in that says, if Ms. Denson wants to bring a class action, she can bring those claims in court. Beauty, beauty. So we lose in state court the the motion to vacate the $50,000 award. Appeal it. This is like almost a year later. We win, get it overturned, thrown out. And once that's done... There you go, Trump campaign. Here's your class action in court. And that's what we did. June 2020, filed the class action. We got a really beautiful permission from the judge to file parallel summary judgment of parallel summary judgment motion with their motion to dismiss very early on. So that's yeah, we did that early in the summer of 2020. And that is what resulted in my win last year. Now, how many parties are in this class action? Well, the putative class is every Trump campaign staffer, volunteer, independent contractor that worked on the 2016 campaign, every single one. And it's to our understanding, it it is likely over a thousand. That's exactly what we're going through right now is class discovery to find mm. out exactly how many people. Now, let's talk about 
how you got into and how you subsequently got out of the Trump campaign, because you weren't always a staunch right wing Republican (laughs) from from my (laughs) understanding. And when you came to sue pro se, that's really kind of astounding because of all the gaslighting, all the terrorizing, all of the victim blaming, all of the, you know, must have been stewing in there, believing that everything was your own fault for getting involved in all this. To come out of that and stand up on your own, that's like warrior level shit, you know, because I mean, for a lot of us who've been in other similar, not necessarily corporate or campaign situations, but personal relationship situations or working for the federal government and being ousted. There's a lot of victim blaming, the self blame. There's a lot of uh, it. God, it was my fault. I should chalk this up to my own bad choices, et cetera, et cetera. But to, to be able to stand up out of that and say, no, 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 there's something very wrong here. I really commend you for that. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. I mean, that's 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 warrior level shit. What was the thought process Well, let's talk about how you got into the Trump campaign, because this is a very important piece of this entire story. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, we could go back to my college years and I was a journalist in college and broadcast journalist. Part of our studies was to film features, you know, news features, news stories. The first news story I ever did, I ran down to our building for SMPA, School of Media and Public Affairs, grabbed a camera, grabbed a a tripod, and went and filmed the Apprentice auditions on my campus. Okay. Mm. And this just, I mean, this is so pathetic to think that that show had such an influence on people, but it really did. It really legitimized people. And I saw, you know, very educated people in grad school going to want to be on The Apprentice. Like that was a career milestone for them. And mm. and I mean, that is just one example. I'm really just giving you that as one example of the unfortunate many ways that society legitimized Donald Trump yeah. In, yeah. in the years. Um, and and not just, not just, I mean, in the end, it was really Fox, but leading up to that, it was, it was the media writ large. I mean, many people across the spectrum legitimized this man. And so, you know, 2016 comes around. By this time, I have gone from being raised in a Republican family, but really, I mean, I'm like an animal rights person, okay? I am anti-death penalty. I am not your typical Republican, although I had been well, ill-educated, let's say, you know, poorly educated to believe that the Democrats were like the anti-patriotism party. Okay, that's, that's like in my mindset. Okay. Yeah. And that's that's kind of what I wanted to talk to you about is is this sort of uh, propaganda, this disinformation uh, that is hit that hits hard. It comes out hard from the right, comes out hard from Fox News. Extremely hard. A lot of people and I know a lot of listeners have a lot of family members who have been caught up in this that and they're like that. You know, my uncle is a smart dude. I don't get it, you know, and that's it, it. That kind of propaganda preys on that kind of intelligence and that sort of education uh, and exploits it. I mean, it's it's really a developed propaganda machine. It is. It is very sinister. It is very intentional. I was exposed to this. So like I said, you know, I was, you know, Republican background, but moderate. Started off supporting Barack Obama in 2008, ultimately voted for John McCain, and then just fell deep, 
deep into the Fox News rabbit hole from overexposure. And it was like, you know, it. I even hated it at the time. I hated it. Like, I knew that it was poison, but I bought it. I remember I remember like hating Bill O'Reilly and thinking what a misogynist piece of crap, but agreeing with things that he would say, you know, on policy be like, he's right. He's right. And same with other people on that. You know, like I, I, I saw the whole bimbo thing in the Fox and Friends and I, I, I got the whole messaging that they were and you know, not messaging, but the the way that they 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 suck people in. But I still bought the messaging. I still bought the messaging. And when 2016 came around, I mean, they had vilified Hillary Clinton so much. I mean, this woman was just evil in their eyes and in in what they were portraying to their viewers. And so it was the opposite of what it really is. But in, in my mind in 2016, I'm like, okay, we're at an existential crisis. We cannot let Hillary Clinton become president. And this here's this outsider, Donald Trump, who was really a you know democrat before so he's he's like checking all my boxes as far as like you know moderate you know not extreme and like i saw him going down the the right wing rabbit hole with those extreme abortion comments which oh my god you know are coming true today talking about a woman should be prosecuted for having an abortion but i i saw all of that as like just playing okay he's playing to the base that he know he knows he has to play to and you you excuse away all of these things that you know you should never excuse away. You make excuses. You hear things that the rest of, you know, the rest, the other people aren't hearing. Like, I remember things that he would say. He would say things like, I'm going to be so presidential. They're going to be so bored. He's like, when I get, when I become president, they're going to be so bored. And I'm like, there you go. That's the Trump that I'm waiting for. The president Trump that's going to make the media bored and he's just going to be a good president. You know, mm-hmm. he said, you know, we're going to stand up for the dignity of work. He said, talked about dignity. So I I heard the things that I wanted to well, hear. That's that confirmation bias, right? That you're like, oh, oh yeah. that's what I want. And that that means it's true. And that's what I'm going to hang on to. Yeah. And that's, that's what keeps you there. Yeah. And then then you end up working, setting up a diversity program in the Trump campaign, working under a dude who I also know, not personally, but uh, from his work at the Department of Veterans Affairs, his name is uh, Sandoval, yeah? And this guy, uh, he's a bad dude. He's a bad dude. That is saying it lightly, Allison. Yeah. So I get hired to work under him. I mean, the interview probably told me all I ever needed to know. It was, it was a terrorizing interview, but I'm, I'm coming from like being an actress. So I haven't been on a job interview in like 10 years. So you're like, this is just normal. This is, just this is normal. Do. This is how people interview these days. I shouldn't take it so personally. And I didn't. I didn't. I just wanted to work on that campaign. You know, if it meant working for this asshole, whatever, I was going to be able to help Trump. So I take this job in data. He's an asshole from the beginning. Like I show up in the morning wondering what the hell to do. Spend the first couple of days just trying to figure out work for myself. And the guy's such a sicko that he lets you sit there all day long, doesn't respond to you, ignores you. And then at like seven o'clock at night, he's like, oh, Jessica, here's a project that's going to take you the next two hours. I mean, this Mm -hmm. is, this is, and anyway, it was unpleasant to say the least working for him only lasted about two weeks. Steve Bannon comes around and needs someone to translate the Mexican president's speech. This is when Trump went to Mexico and um, Sandoval doesn't want to do it because Sandoval wants to stay. I mean, this guy wants to stay under the radar. He is like a, you know, under the radar operator. 
And he's like, okay, you do it. So I do it. And I end up telling Bannon exactly where the president is going to deviate from the speech. I'm right. He deviates that exact line. And Bannon comes to me and says, what are you doing in data? Like, you're, you don't belong in data. Come with us. <laughs> now, there's no like, come with us. What does that even mean? But in his mind, it's like, okay, Hispanic person, Hispanic outreach. Okay, you're, you're, you're a Hispanic outreach person. He takes me out of the data department. Sandoval goes insane. I mean, this man loses it. And I'm in literal tremors the day that I get promoted, literally shaking uh, because of the way he spoke to me. And, you know, I cool down, I do my work, move on. And a week or so goes by and I, I think that this is mostly behind me. And turns out it's nowhere near behind me. He's hired another woman to replace me who has the same kind of terrorizing experience with him, goes to HR, says, I'm not dealing with this. She gets moved out. I just recently, throughout through my lawsuit, found out that he was stalking her in her new role as well. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I, and, but what he did to me was psychological terrorism on another level. I mean, this man was claiming that I was out there shopping bids to the media, leaking Trump's taxes. He tried to gain possession of my personal computer when I was 2,000 miles away in Colorado saying Jessica's in trouble, uh, you know, telling people that knew me to separate myself from from um, separate themselves from me. He got Secret Service notified about me because I guess I'm a criminal working on the Trump campaign. I mean, it was just another level of insane asylum. I mean, that, that is what the Trump campaign was. It was like being a sane person in an insane asylum mm-hmm. and gaslighting. I don't even know if that word goes far enough to describe the kind of trauma and terrorism that I was dealing with. And of course I brought it to them. They don't, they gaslight you more, mm-hmm. you know, they like, what's wrong with you? You know, Oh, somebody hacked the Twitter account you're controlling. No, it wasn't hacked. It was reassigned. What's wrong with you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it just, it went down. It spiraled downhill from there. I tried time after time to give these people benefit of the doubt after benefit of the doubt to try to stay on the campaign and help the campaign because I, I was so naive and delusional that I did not, I did not see this as being a direct order from Trump himself. Mm-hmm. I didn't blame him personally at the time. Mm. And, you know, so I, I thought I should stay there and try to help him. Mm-hmm. And I did under extreme duress until the end of the campaign. Yeah, I never thought all the targeting that that took place against me for and when I was drummed out of of the federal government that I that couldn't be coming from the truck. They're not looking at me at the top. Who am I? You know, and then I've got some FOIA request information that said otherwise um, <laughs> that are very involved. Yes. Now, real quick before I let you go, I have to ask because I know so many listeners are like, "What is it that got you out of it? What what in your mind switched over and said?" this is fucked up. I'm, you know, I, I am the victim of gaslighting. This is fucked up. I am right. What made you believe, like know that? And sit? was there an instant, like an incident no. or? It was an instant. Time it alone? Was an instant. Even, even when I brought my lawsuit in 2017, pro se, it was like, it was the farthest thing from a political consideration. It was a, you know, existential consideration for me. It was like, this is what is morally right, period everything else aside. The waking up to the Trump cult was very gradual for me. I I would say it started on day one with the Muslim ban. I mean, because that was one of the things where I'm like, this is just too far afield. He's just saying it as a campaign ploy. It's not real. So 
I would say day one. And then it was just like breadcrumbs along the way, like Jim Comey getting fired while he's in California and like not having a ride home. I mean, little things like where I, I just saw people being treated like shit who were, you know, you say what you want about them. They were public servants. They were trying to do their job. And then I measured it up against how I was treated. And I realized, oh my God. And then of course, I educated myself about all of the terrible things in Trump's past that I didn't know about before. I mean, Central Park Five, for God's sakes, you know, wrongful convictions are like the top of my list of things that I have no tolerance for. If I had known, I didn't even know about Central Park Five. If I had known about that, I feel like I could have never supported him. So just education, observation, comparison with my own experience. And I think by, you know, probably early 2018, I was out. And since then have been, you know, waking up as many people as I possibly can helping the Democrats because they are the only party for democracy that exists in our country so tragically. And one of my big things, especially moving toward the midterms uh, with with Dem Democrat Democratic messaging is that and, and this is part of a, a book I'm working on. I mean, this is so, this is so ingrained in me. Yeah, because I'm former Navy, I'm a disabled veteran. I worked for the, yeah. the federal government, yet I am somehow not a patriot. I am somehow not into freedom. And I think that the Democrats have a, a real opportunity here to seize on this and reclaim what it means to be a patriot. And Amen. so, Amen. Amen. <laughs> it's right. So how do we, how do we do this going forward to the midterms? You know what? You hit the nail on the head. I saw Josh Shapiro tweet last night. And he put freedom in the tweet. I'm like, thank you, my friend, because this is it. The the, the Democrats are finally getting the cue. We have to take back the freedom platform from the Republicans who have literally just hijacked it in the name of autocracy and and dictatorship and communism. I mean, they say the Democrats are the communists. No, they are the communists. They are the ones that want to strip every human being of their of their, you know, God given rights. So they are the communists. Not even communism, just straight up dictatorship, straight up autocracy and and Christo fascism. I mean, yes. all the way there. And I think yes. with- and the freedom platform is it's so fundamental, Allison, you know, because there's we as human beings, it's like the most basic desire to be free. It's something we all share. And the Republicans know that that is why they have harped on it and hijacked it for all this time. It's the most basic desire that we as human beings have is to be free. So I would say Democrats 2022 reclaim the freedom platform. And, and, and it is no joke. I mean, this is it. Our freedom, it really is on the line. And I... <laughs> yeah, we have two elections before we slide into autocracy. Uh, it's yeah. it's the alarm. It's a five alarm fire. And I don't know that uh, a lot of people are grasping that message. And so that's what needs to get out. That's why I was so yes. happy, just like you said, with Josh Shapiro tweeting out about freedom. And, and there's so many instances. They are book burning. They are not teaching history. Yes. They are saying we can't say gay. They are taking, yes. you know, to their anti-trans, anti-LGBTQ. Overturning row. I mean, those are Uh, all freedoms that are being taken away. Yep. But they don't see it that way. They see it as protecting freedoms of other people from the insidious communist uh, socialist regime of Democrats, when really we just want everyone to have health care and, you know, uh, (laughs) good jobs and and you know, actual freedom, real. Yeah, I would freedom. say, you know, Allison, with your viewers that have family that watches Fox, plant seeds, 
I know it's hard. And I've done this so many times over the past four to five years. I've had these conversations with Trump supporters and I don't, you know, I don't go into ones that I know from the outset are going to be hostile because that's just torture, self-torture. But where you can plant seeds, do it. And don't think that it's not effective. I mean, for me, it's helpful because I was on the other side. So I can say, look, I used to agree with you. I used to be where you are. But even like even you as a veteran, to connect with other veterans. I mean, that is such a great connection that you have, shared experience. You know, find something in common. And even if you walk away thinking, I didn't get anywhere, you planted a seed. It is, we can can get ourselves out of this. We can, we really can. Thank you. Thank you for for having that hope. I really appreciate it. And we're going to be following this case. I look forward to updates. And so we'll be in touch. Tell everyone where they can um, follow you. We get me more than those thirty Twitter followers. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm for sure, sure. It's expanded since then. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's Twitter handle is Jessica Denson zero seven, and yeah, I definitely am keeping you guys updated. We've got a lot going on, and and I will keep you apprised for sure. Well, thank you, thank you for fighting the good fight, and thanks for standing up. My pleasure. To what you knew in your soul was just the wrong thing. I appreciate it. Thank you, thank you, Allison. Thank you too. All right, we'll talk soon. Everybody, stick around. We'll be right back with the good news. Hi, everyone. Sleep is my favorite thing. It's wonderful. Is there anything better than a good night's sleep? Waking up feeling refreshed? No, there's not. Especially since it used to be so difficult for me to get a full night's sleep. There was a time when I found it extremely difficult to fall asleep every night, and staying asleep was almost impossible. I would toss and turn. I'd wake up feeling sore and it was just awful. But luckily, I found Helix Sleep. They saved me. They have an easy two-minute online sleep quiz that you can take that matches you with the perfect mattress based on your sleep preferences and the way you sleep and your body type and everything. It was amazing the amount of difference in sleep that I experienced after just the first night with my new Helix mattress. My perfect mattress was the Midnight Heat by Helix because I like a medium for a mattress and I'm a side sleeper. But they know how unique everyone is, so they offer a variety of mattresses to accommodate you, including soft, medium, firm mattresses, plus-size mattresses for plus-size sleepers, temperature-regulating mattresses. They have it all. So if you're looking for a mattress, you take the quiz, you order the mattress they match you to, and the mattress comes right to your doorship for free. Helix is awesome, but you don't have to take my word for it. They have 12,000-plus five-star reviews, and they were awarded number one best overall mattress pick of 2020 by GQ and Wired Magazine. They have a 10-year warranty. You get to try it out for 100 nights with no risk, and they'll pick it up if you don't love it and give you a full refund, but you will love it. Just go to helixsleep.com slash dailybeans, take their two-minute quiz. They'll match you to a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. And right now, Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for listeners at helixsleep.com slash dailybeans. That's helix, H-E-L-I-X, sleep.com slash dailybeans. And we all know how much I love Helix. Let me tell you about another company. Helix has moved out of the bedroom and into the rest of your house with amazing customizable furniture with their new company called Allform. You can pick your fabric, which is spill stain and scratch resistant. You pick the sofa color, the leg finish, the size, the configuration to make sure it's perfect for you and your home. It's beautiful customizable furniture. Allform sofas are also delivered directly to you with fast free shipping, taking only three to seven days by mail instead of the usual weeks or months that sofas used to take shipping from someone else. They've got armchairs and love seats all the way up to an eight-seat sectional, so there's something for everyone. And you can always start small and add seats on if your house or your family grows. The the one I chose was a three-seater sofa in whiskey-colored leather, and I could never have a leather couch before because of the cats. But this is spill stain and scratch resistant, and it comes with a forever warranty, so I got a whiskey-colored leather couch with walnut legs for the finish. It's amazing. It looks great in my living room. It's comfortable. I love it. 
And if getting a sofa without trying it first in the store sounds risky, do not worry. There's no risk here. You get 100 days to decide if you want to keep it. That's more than three months. And if you don't love it, they'll pick it up for free and give you a full refund. So to find your perfect sofa, check out allform.com slash dailybeans. And Allform right now is offering 20% off all orders for listeners at allform.com slash dailybeans. Everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Who likes good news, everyone? Then good news, everyone. Good news, good news. And if you have any good news, corrections, confessions, anything you want to send in to us, Whoopi stories, pet pictures, the holiday photos. I accept Halloween photos all year. Uh, you can do that by going to dailybeanspod.com and clicking on contact. My good news for today, Dana, is that my op-ed yes. on the impact that overturning Roe will have on the U.S. military and active duty service members was accepted and published by the Washington Post today. So I'm very excited. I'm about just that. so fucking proud of you. I, I'm proud. I'm just proud of who you are. I'm proud that you put yourself out there like this and you have taken such trauma in your life and used it to empower so many people. And I just you're, I'm in awe of you on the daily. And I know a lot of our listeners are as well. So just I just want you to know that I think you're kind of a big deal. Thank you. Yeah. And it's and it's doing so well. I think that we're going to be in the print edition tomorrow. So Whew. that's awesome. Very cool. And thank you for everyone who has not only listened to my story, but encouraged me to continue to tell it. Because today, uh, tens of thousands of views and shares, I haven't received one bit of, of horrible negative feedback. Good. And it's because it's because y'all helped me shape my narrative. Does that make sense? It does. So thank you for listening and supporting me when I tell when I tell these stories. Particularly that one. It's a hard one to talk about. So thank you so much for your support. All right. That's my good news. Now we're going to get into listener submitted good news. And again, if you want to send us anything, you can do so at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. First up from Steve in Canada, pronouns he and him from Steve in Canada. Hello, Beans team. Steve here from Canada. I've written in before. Everyone, it's Steve from Canada. Wait, who's okay. this? I, I think it's Steve. I think it's Steve from Canada. They're pronouns. all the Canadians are very polite. Steve, it's nice to see you again. Pronouns he and him. Eh? All right. The news has been a bit grim lately, so I thought you might enjoy a random act of giftiness. Yes. I'm producing an unannounced media project and we're in the process of selecting apparel provider for merchandising. We needed to do test runs for quality assessment. And I had an idea. When signing off at the end of the episode, Allison and Dana often say, I'm AG and I'm DG. Whenever I hear this, it reminds me of a certain iconic band. Yes. So I sat down with our lead artist and we did a quick riff on the logo using the AGDG initials. To make it beans themed, we added a subtle coffee bean background to the letters. I had these t-shirts printed up in a variety of women's sizes, and they helped us physically verify product quality, fulfillment time, and shirt sizing, and then send you and your team some free stuff. That's a win-win in my book. I listen to every episode, so please let me know what you think. Keep up the great work. Fearless truth tellers are needed now more than ever. And, and I believed I showed you You did. I love this fucking shirt. <laughs> so awesome. It really is. And it's also a conversation starter because, you know, everyone's used to seeing ACDC. When they see that, they're going to be like, what does that mean? And then you get to tell them all about the Daily Beans. Absolutely. So thank you, Steve. I really appreciate that. And I appreciate you sharing your stories with me 
and uh, and these these t-shirts are amazing. I, I appreciate are. you. And if, and if anybody was on the happy hour call or was listening the other day, remember Dana when I told you that someone donated a thousand dollars in our name to the uh, to the UN Refugee Agency? That was Steve. Steve, you're a mensch. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. a good thing if you don't know what that is, look it up because you're a mensch. <laughs> I know some people are like, what is that? Is that a bad word? Not a bad word. It's a good word. All right. This next one's from David. Pronounce he and him. Good morning, beautiful beans, babes. I'm writing in to share some good news. I'll be tabling for my city's Democratic Party at our Pride Fest this weekend. Yes, I'm super stoked to be able to help promote democracy while celebrating my fellow LGBTQIA plus pride flag peeps. My pick tax is uh, some of me and my beautiful partner, Dane, pronouns they, she, on our Valentine's picnic on the coast just off the highway one, just off highway one, no the. It was a beautiful day with a beautiful view. Thank you so much for all you do to make the world is better place with you beautiful people in it. Keep pushing forward and fighting on because we were all behind you. Oh. That is some kombucha right there. I know what that bottle is. A nice mandala blanket. Are those Girl Scout cookies? Oh my goodness! Oh, they look like they could. Yeah, be. That's, a, that's my bottom box of Thin Mints and some stra- like organic strawberries right there. If I had to guess. Hell yeah! And nice. a lovely, lovely couple who looks very, very happy. This makes me so very adorable. happy. Oh, I um, think I think we have a Sagittarius. <laughs> I mean, that's hilarious. Oh, oh, this is so beautiful. What a beautiful picture. Thank you. Ah, next up from anonymous pronouns she and her. Hey there, peepa doodles. New to your podcast and totally hooked and inspired. I look forward to it each and every morning. Good news or bad with you. Thank you. My good news is I just signed up for a letter writing campaign through the Big Send Vote Forward campaign, and I can't wait to get more involved. I've attached a sweet little reference to gender neutral terms to address a group since I'm not a pet person and I don't have a photo of one. Enjoy. I really love these because a lot of people are like, I don't know what terms because we've been so trained to be like, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. And that excludes Mm -hmm. a massive part of the population, many of them. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so these are really great. These are really great options. Y'all lovelies, peeps, kids. I like rad jazz cats. Right. Good. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, whenever we were when we were touring back in 2019, it was ladies and gentlemen, they and them. Hey, fam nibblings i love these this is so great happy people patrons snickerdoodles ladies and gentle thems i know you said that it makes me happy gentle thems oh gentle thems oh awesome yeah i missed the thems okay cool thank you for that that's beautiful that's beautiful all right this is from daniel duncan pronouns he him y'all i teared up checking my campaign email today i was verified as a mom's demand action 2022 gun sense candidate Oh, that's amazing. And I really didn't think I would get that. I'm a country boy and loves and appreciates the ability to have guns. This puts to lie the right wing. They're going to take him. Nonsense. Like my accent there. It doesn't take much to see the problems with this reckless, illogical gun policies of Second Amendment. Well, half of it, folks. (laughs) I'm proud. I know, right? I'm proud, especially this week, to carry this distinction. And I hope the people of rural South Carolina We'll appreciate it. And Daniel, thank you. There are so many responsible gun owners on the left of center. And it's just, we really need to, we should need to put out a campaign, something that been like, listen, we're not coming for your guns. We have our own. We don't need yours. We just, we use ours sensibly. (laughs) Yeah, I don't need an AR-15 because I can aim. Exactly. All right. You want to take the next one because it's short too? Happy. 
Happy to. This is from Anonymous, pronouns not given. I'm happy to report that years-long increasing depression not helped by the golden escalator (laughs) and aftermath has improved greatly since March, thanks to an excellent new meds and shrink. It is so important to get expert help. Pet tax below, two very sweet and shy kitties. Also, the daily beans. Look at the toe beans. Oh, I love daily beans. Look at the toe beans. Oh my God, these cats are gorgeous. Oh, it's like spy versus spy. I love it. The black one looks just like my boobs, which is a cat's name, not my boobs. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Next up and finally from Nick, pronouns he and him. Greetings, beans, queens from the land of cheese. Good news from Wisconsin, where we are bringing charges against the 10 imposters who tried to pretend they were electors and help steal the election. We are still up to our elbows in dumb fuckery led by Robin Vaz and the Republican legislature. We're going to keep fighting the attempts to steal past and future elections, protect women's reproductive rights, and fight off the attempt to dissolve the Milwaukee Public School District and sell it off piece by piece to charter and voucher schools. AG, I just listened to you read your essay in the Washington Post, and I wanted to thank you for all that you've done and continue to do. Your voice, advocacy, and perspective are important and valued to those in the Beans community and beyond. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Nick. For pod pet tax, I give you my two dogs, both rescues from the Wisconsin Humane Society, our seven-year pity mix Ruby, and our new three-year-old pup, Esma Gigi Genevieve Squalor, the city's sixth most important financial (laughs) advisor from the book and acclaimed Netflix show, but not the movie, A Series of Unfortunate Events. Her middle name is Waffles. That's amazing. We don't know what the mutt she is, but she's loving and kind and likes to hide under things, and we're glad to have her in our lives. And if you haven't watched the series, the Netflix series, a series of unfortunate events. It's really, really good. It really is. And I, I love this dog. Look how sweet. Look at the baby. I know. Look at the baby oh. sitting like that. <laughs> I love dogs that sit like people. Oh, my God. So cute. <laughs> Cracks me up. You know, what's funny, too, is when dogs will sit, but like only halfway. Yeah. They like lean. They just they just want the treat. So their butt's not on the ground. Right. Yeah. They just sort of they're just crouching a little. And you're like, no, 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 no. <laughs> You need to sit all the way. The, what This second picture is what I'm envisioning. Like You need to sit. That's funny. So cute. Thank you for all these submissions. And thanks for your kind words about the op-ed. I'm, I hope it helps people. And I hope that the call to action in it, which is to get the Department of Fence, Department of Fence, the Department of Fence. You know them. Yes. And Gates. No, uh, the Department of Defense and uh, the president and Congress to uh, to do something. It would um, be amazing. Needs to happen. Needs to happen. Thank you so much, Dan. Do you have any final thoughts before we get out of here? None today. No teary thoughts. Just have a wonderful evening. Have a good rest of your day. We will be back tomorrow, uh, everybody. So until then, please take care of yourselves, take care of each other, take care of the planet, and take care of your mental health. It's so important. And please vote blue over Q. I've been AG. And I've been DG. And them's the beans, them's the beans, them's the beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg and Amy Carrero. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com. M-S-W-Media.